Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeff Winger is in phenomenal shape. He eats right, exercises regularly, is handsome and smart. He always has a witty comment, and pretty much always gets the girl. Of course, it helps that he's played by a Hollywood actor, a, uh, a character on the classically underrated TV show Community. Jeff suffers from textbook narcissistic personality disorder, or as one of my seminary professors called it, human nature. Uh, he pretty much thinks about himself and what's good for him all day, every day. And everything is going along fine. Until one day, he goes in for a health checkup and is prescribed medication for high cholesterol. Enraged, he sits down to lunch with a British friend who is a professor of psychology at the community college he attends. Do you know how many times I haven't eaten a donut, he rants? How much I got teased in grade school for dabbing my pizza with napkins? I've suffered I've denied myself because the rules said that if I did that, I would live longer. But then halfway through the game, I get this little update. It doesn't matter what I do. I could eat powdered bran every day while you suck down figgy pudding and I still might die first. It's unfair. I want my donuts back. Look, says his friend, the way I see it, while claiming to have no religion, you are actually devoutly worshiping yourself. And now that your God has high cholesterol, you've come undone. While claiming to have no religion, you are devoutly worshiping yourself. This is the modern equivalent of the Areopagus, isn't it? The Athenians have set up a center of temples, cultural facilities, and a high court in their city. And Paul, walking through, notices that they've got an altar set up to everything. As he's walking around the city, he can tell that they're covering all their bases. In fact, they've gone so far as to set up an altar to an unknown god. Like, if some deity they'd never heard of showed up one day demanding to know why he wasn't being worshipped, the Athenians could point to that altar and say, we were worshiping you. Maybe we didn't know your name, but we were worshiping you just the same. They're covering their butts in a religious sense. It's not hard to imagine the Areopagus as sort of like a shopping mall with different churches in each storefront. Here's the one to Zeus, 
There's the one to Aphrodite. Spend a little money here. Spend a little there. Spread it around a bit. Be safe. There are offerings to be made for good crops, for advantageous business, for luck and love. Now, today, of course, we would never do that. It seems ridiculous making offerings to altars to Zeus and Aphrodite. Give me a break. We're far too enlightened for that. Today, we're like Jeff Winger. Today, we worship ourselves. So we don't go to a shopping mall of churches. We go to an actual shopping mall. We make our offerings just the same, though. One offering to moisturize our skin, another to give us the appropriate hairstyle, one to help us dress the part, another to properly outfit our family room or kitchen to make sure visitors are properly impressed. Finally, maybe we make a donation to a good cause to help us feel good about ourselves. We are devoutly religious, but our God is us. And please, don't hear me saying anything against shopping malls. That's where the used DVD stores are. But a shopping mall, or Amazon.com, is the exact equivalent of the Areopagus, when the God you're worshiping is you. It's where you go to make offerings to yourself. It's where you go to feel alive. And that's why Jeff Winger gets so angry. He's just been told that he's eventually going to die. Now, to you and me, that might be obvious, and I suppose he would have admitted it too. We all know it. Everybody dies. But deep down, subconsciously, underneath it all, Jeff is angry because he thinks he's a god. And gods don't die. It struck me as I was writing this that this is like, Part two in our unplanned and unintentional There is a God and you're not him sermon series. But like I told you last week, this is the message we've been given to proclaim. We tell the Jeff Wingers of the world, the citizens of Athens, the worshipers in the Areopagus, the truth that these gods, Zeus, Aphrodite, or the altars of the shopping mall, even the nameless ones, won't help them. Certainly installing yourself as a god won't help. All those roads lead to the same place. They lead to that last store in the shopping mall, the one where you buy the coffin. And sure, you buy the nicest one, hoping that everyone will see how classy it is and think well of you, even on the way out. This is the last act of worship for the self-made god. But you still come out of that store in the coffin rather than with it. Paul, though, has a better answer for the Athenians than Jeff Winger's friend had for him. Jeff's friend had the right diagnosis. He correctly identifies the problem. But if you were to actually watch that episode, he doesn't ultimately have a solution. He doesn't have an answer for death. But Paul does. Listen to what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. 
From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of your own poets have said, we too are his offspring, and since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now that last line is key, of course, that we have assurance in Jesus' rising from the dead. But let's begin where Paul does. There is a God, says Paul, and none of these churches are his. There is a God, and he is not unnamed. There is a God and he is the God of everything. In him we live and move and have our being. He gives us life and breath and everything we have comes from him. He's not something that we made or could make, something of gold or silver or stone. God is holy and righteous and has appointed a judge over all of us. In other words, Paul is saying, your impulse is correct, you Athenians. You know there's a God out there, someone deserving of your worship, someone worthy to be praised. There is a God, says Paul, and he has a name. Jesus, Paul names him to the Philippians. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is Jesus. That's his name. The name that is above every name. The name at which every knee should bow. And this is when we get to the climax of Paul's sermon in the Areopagus. While God, he says, has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. During Alec Baldwin's definitely not safe for work or really even safe for a sermon monologue from Glengarry Glen Ross, one of the salesmen at whom he's been yelling asks him his name. What's my name, thunders Baldwin? What's my name? You drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name, 
Paul here is similarly thunderous. You're going to be judged. Your urge to worship is right. You've got the right idea, but you're worshiping in the wrong direction. Let me fix that for you. Let me give you the right direction. Repent of your reliance on all these other gods. Repent of your installation of yourself as God. You have a God. What's his name? He rose from the dead. That's his name. And this, finally, is the good news for the exhausted shopper in the shopping mall of spiritual life. The exhausted worshiper who doesn't know to whom he should make his offering. The good news for you and me. You might be hearing this and thinking that you never knew there was any other life outside the shopping mall. No life where you don't have to be your God. Maybe you're hearing Jesus' name for the first time. This is good news for you. Or maybe you've heard this before. This is good news for you too. Maybe you promised yourself just last week that you'd never go into that shopping mall again. And yet, here you are. You're making your offerings to store after store, to God after God, and you can see off in the distance the coffin store getting closer. It's inexorable, inevitable, but not for Jesus. Death was not the end for Jesus, and it will not be your end if you are in him. So just like last week, And just like every week, let us repent. Repent for the first time or for the millionth. Repent knowing that you're probably only moments away from needing to repent again. You're not a God. You're going to die. But Jesus is God. And he has defeated death forever. That's his name. And he's given that victory To you. In Him and on His account, you will live forever. What a Savior. Amen.